0: Welcome to this week's episode of Clarksville's Conversation. My name is Charlie Kuhn, and I'm here with my buddy Katie Gamble and my other buddy Chris Smith. We've got a great show for you today, and Katie's going to tell us what's going on.
1: Well, I'm excited to have my friend Dr. Jennifer Cornell join us today. She is a dentist here in Clarksville who's done a lot of um, who treats a lot of sleep issues in adults, which has led to her researching a lot of airway disorders in children so we're going to kind of talk about that today and bring kind of some awareness to some of those issues and hey there might be a parent out there that goes hey you know what my kid does that too right right exactly so i guess just tell me how this became something you thought oh i need to like learn more about that okay well first thanks for having
2: me thank you for coming here um I started in 2012 with an interest in learning more about how how dentists can treat sleep-disordered breathing. So as I went along my journey in treating adults, uh, I also had a son, and I noticed that he snored quite a bit. Uh Um, And he, I know he's not supposed to stay in the bed with us, but he's our only son, so he spent many a night in our bed with us, which my husband doesn't snore, but our son snored. So... Um, he also had issues with um, food consistencies. He would grind his teeth. So as that became more um, concerning to me, I also started learning more about how the airway develops and how some of our kiddos uh, could be helped at a younger age so that as they became adults, they didn't necessarily have have the same type of sleep disorder right. that they would as an adult. So uh, that's kind of how I got into learning more and more about just the development of the airway.
1: So, so I know this has is grinding teeth like an ish, airway issue? It could be. Because my son grinds his teeth really it, bad. It could be. Uh, it's still a controversial
2: topic in mm-hmm. dentistry, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the airway issue cause the bruxism or did the bruxism, is that there because of stress or uh-huh. just something that their neurological capacity is working out from the day? Um, But there are more and more studies that are coming out that um, the bruxism could be an airway issue. And if it is a sign that there's an airway issue, then that should be addressed first. Because if you don't, then at what cost are you going to hope that your child grows out of that bruxism? So it should should be at least looked into.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: are, are there studies that show... Kind of what you're looking at, the, when, the, when the child has these issues, that it develops more when they become an adult. Is there, is there any data on that?
2: As this field grows and becomes more and more aware throughout the country, I think you'll see more and more studies that will follow children yeah. with airway issues into development into an adult and see if that does go along.
1: So before we came on, Charlie, Chris, we, her and I were talking about how, you know, back when we were young, there was this big push to take out your tonsils. And then that kind of stopped. Kind of tell them kind of what you were telling me, because I found that very interesting.
2: So uh, I, I related it more to my parents. So mm-hmm. I would say more their generation, where if you ask um, my parents who are in their 70s, if you ask them, they're like, oh, yeah, every kid got their tonsils and adenoids out. was yeah. mm-hmm. just something you did. Well, then I think. I believe that the reason that stopped is there's so much, there could be a potential for life-threatening post-op complications, especially when after healing the scabs come off or Mm -hmm. immediately after the surgery, there's lots of bleeding. So that was kind of, I want to just say suppressed. I'm not an ENT, so I don't know Mm -hmm. what their feelings are about why that stopped. But as that stopped, you saw more and more people kept their tonsils unless they had recurring infections. or they were diagnosed with sleep-disordered breathing. Then the tonsils and adenoids would be removed. That is still first-line treatment. So
1: now we have kids that have larger tonsils, larger which tonsils. can cause some of these airway issues. Which happened
2: with my own son. Um, I he had a lot of recurring ear infections. So mm-hmm. um, so did we, both my babies. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we went and had ear tubes put in, as do mm-hmm. most kids mm-hmm. these days. And as ear inf- his ear infections became better, but they were still there. They just mm-hmm. weren't as frequent. Mm-hmm. So at one point I asked, well, let's talk about these tonsils, because he literally had kissing tonsils. Well, does he have recurring throat infections? Well, no, but he snores, he has food consistency problems, um, so I really think there's an issue here. And I was told multiple times, well, unless the child has that long in-the-face look... We don't re- or they have recurring um, throat infections. We what don't is don't a long re- in the face look? I don't so know. So, a, that a is. long in the face look would be a child, if you can picture in your mind, that is a mouth breather. Okay. And they just have that yeah, long okay. yeah. face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, as a dentist, I see that as already skeletally deformed. Mm-hmm. Their jaws are growing um, in a direction they're, they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So, that would be something that we would try to fix. With orthodontics or oral surgery, if needed, um, but that would be a true tell sign that that ch- that child has an airway problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I know that if my child doesn't get enough sleep, he is a bear. Yes. He is terrible to be around. So um, talk about like I know that this airway disorders can affect the children's sleep. Can you talk a little bit about how that what how that affects behavioral issues and maybe some mis. Diagnose behavioral issues due to lack of sleep?
2: Yeah, so in adults, when you when when you have an airway issue or a, a sleep disordered breathing issue, adults tend to be more tired, grumpy. One of the telltale signs is excessive daytime sleepiness where you have a series of questions where you ask about do you fall asleep easily mm-hmm. if you're sitting in a chair or behind a car or reading a book. In children, it's almost the opposite. Um, children become very restless, hyperactive. Um, like you said, if you have children... Maybe that's Charlie's problem. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: describing me right now.
2: I know. <laughs> there seems to be an uptick in diagnosis of ADHD these days, and I'm, I'm curious as, as this awareness progresses throughout the country if we'll see more of a awareness of the airway and how it's contributing to mm-hmm. poor sleep. So it's not necessarily how long the child stays in the bed, like, oh, my son sleeps t- 10 hours a night. It's the quality of that sleep. And if they're being awoken because of an airway issue, the arousals, even if they're not fully awake, eyes open talking, it's the brain's arousal from that sleep. Mm -hmm. It's disrupting the normal um, physiology of what happens during sleep.
1: So what, um, you know, there's there's a lot of people snore. Is there any kind of snoring that is normal for kids or is there something that we should be? Is parents listening for when it comes to our kids snoring?
2: So it that's a great question. So in 2012 the American Academy of Pediatrics the physician said that if a child snores they should be sent for a sleep study. Hmm. So I benign snoring is a term that's kind of thrown around in the adult world, but I would say in children there should be nothing like nothing called benign snoring unless, until you rule it out. Hmm. Okay. So cuz you think about how sleep what sleep in children does it, it affects their entire development, their growth, their neurological um, connections. So if they're if a child is snoring, that should be a big warning sign. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be snoring. Okay. Now then you think about, um, especially in Tennessee, we have a lot of pollen, a lot of allergy problems. Is it nasal snoring or is it throat snoring? And again, you can't you can't tell until somebody has a sleep study. Hmm.
0: You mentioned ADHD, and you hear a lot about that, and then there's medicines, medication. So can you treat this without medication? Can we treat
2: sleep-disordered breathing without medication? Yes, ma'am. Yes, you can. Uh, The first-line treatment for children who have a sleep-disordered breathing is to look at the tonsils and adenoids. Okay. And if they're enlarged, they come out. Um, And then the second uh, well, there's a non-surgical approaches to treat this too. If tonsils and adenoids are not the problem, um, you want to look at, and that's where dentists come in, we look at the face and the development of the face. We look at the jaw relationships. We look at the teeth. We look at the tongue. Uh, and then we look at the throat. So the tongue is a gigantic organ. And if that tongue posture does not develop correctly, then they, that could also contribute to an airway problem. Wow. So you would address tongue posture by sending the child to a myofunctional therapist, a speech therapist. Um, There's lots and lots of studies um, and and awareness right now in the dental pediatric arena about um, tongue-tied babies and not being able to nurse. Again, it's that development of that tongue and the roof of the mouth relationship um, on how that all develops and how strong that tongue is, where it goes when you swallow, where it goes when you breathe. So... Yes, there's approaches that are non-surgical, but first you always want to rule out, is it a tonsil and yeah, adenoid? issue. I get you. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. if I'm a parent, my kid's snoring, and I'm listening to this going, you know, I think that I might need to check into that. Tell me a little bit about what that sleep study looks like for a child. I can tell you my
2: story. So, okay. um, and this was years ago. My son is six now, and I want to say we started getting very concerned about his snoring when he was two or three. We were referred to Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt has a wonderful pediatric department, as everyone knows. Um, and, but they and they treat they do screen children for sleep disordered breathing, and, and they do treat it. But the waiting list there, because there was nobody else in the area that would test children, was very long. And then, of course, traveling from Clarksville, one of the parents has to stay overnight, so it's a scheduling problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now there are a few sleep centers here in town. That will test children. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of talk about home sleep testing versus in-lab testing, but really children should be tested in a lab. It is challenging, though, because I don't know about your children, but when we go out of town, um, you know, my son's excited to be in a hotel room, and so they may not have the same sleep pattern he Mm -hmm. might have at home. Um, But I think they do the best they can to make it a very cozy environment for the child and tell you to bring their favorite blanket or stuffed animal. Um, I think that answers your question.
1: So after they have that sleep test, is that when they come to someone like you that kind of helps figure out their treatment plan or?
2: I would say the first person is the pediatrician. Okay. Yes. And then one other way to treat sleep disordered breathing in children is to also help guide the jaws in, in their growing relationship. And there's um, something called interceptive ortho. So usually if we see severe malocclusion in a child, um, the orthodontists want to see those children at age seven. But what we're talking about is between the ages of two and eight. Mm-hmm. So as a general dentist or even as pediatric dentist, we're looking at all those things that I listed. And if we see something that's of concern, we should refer that to the right person. Uh, we don't have an interceptive orthodontist yet or someone that does that treatment. But basically, that's using either habit appliances or... Putting them into removable appliances that help guide the development of their jaw growth, so that it's ideal.
1: It's so interesting how the human body is just so interconnected to so many different things that we just don't even think of. Right. Right. Yeah,
0: for sure. And you you mentioned appliances, and and I know I may Katie will say I act like a child, but when I got my braces in, you know I had I don't remember the letters, but I had a palate expander. Yes. So is it something like that, or is there kind of what does that appliance look like? That
2: can be one of the devices used, and that's a very important um, note as well because the roof of the mouth is actually the floor of your nose. So our bodies, when we breathe, want to breathe through your nose. The most healthiest breathing is nasal breathing you think about what your nose is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So if the floor of your nose is not fully developed right, that's going to make nasal breathing more challenging for your body. Thus, you're going to become more of a mouth breather. Yeah. And then there you go again. All the development goes awry. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to fix it later. But yes, I too had a palatal expander. I still remember that thing. Oh, yeah, it was Pineapple wonderful. used to wrap around it and you'd cry because yeah. you couldn't get it off. Oh, yeah. I also mm-hmm. had the headgear. Oh, again. I bet you were cool. Yeah, I bet you were my dad's dentist. Uh, he's going to be retiring in this April, uh-huh. and uh, I think I was his guinea pig. I had every yeah. cotton pick and yeah. orthodontic appliance in well, my That's mouth, awesome.
0: So,
1: yes. Yeah, Talking so, about this has me all obsessing now about, am I breathing through my nose? I uh, know. my yeah, mouth? What is right. my palate? I did the she same like, thing. my palate?
0: Yeah. I'd close my mouth while she was talking. <laughs> to thinking
1: about it. Well, I do know that there's some parent out there hearing this that is probably thinking, oh, I didn't think that snoring was that big of a deal. So your advice to them is go see your pediatrician and then start down that.
2: I would. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know all the pediatricians in town. So I'm always happy to look at a child and see if there's any dental signs or symptoms that I see that would be alarming that Mm -hmm. may further that discussion with a pediatrician. We have a really great visual checklist that we use that we get the parent involved with, um, such as does your child do this or um, do they snore? Do they wet the bed? Do they sleepwalk? Mm -hmm. Do they have night terrors? And so once the mom or dad checks all those boxes, then we have a good discussion about what I might see while I'm doing the exam and what their concerns are. And then that helps me form a letter to the pediatrician to have a a more in-depth conversation of what could be the problem.
1: So tell our audience then how they could
2: reach you. So to reach me, um, I own Back to Basics Dentistry. We are out across the river, um, Highway 4813, right next to Food Lion. And yep. our phone number
1: is 931-645-8000. Dr. Jennifer Cornell. Awesome. Thank you for joining us this, this has been very interesting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I learned something new today. <laughs> 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 Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks.